Today on this special episode, we'll be doing a preview of the 95th Annual Academy Awards. This is Dr. Versus Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Now, typically... Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. However, today we have a very special episode. Today we'll be previewing the upcoming Oscars telecast, which will be occurring on Sunday, March 12th. It's all true. It's all true. This is the actually third year we've done Oscar previews. And when we say we, what we really mean is you, Asif, because again, I have people telling me this. Somebody just told me this the other day that I think it's insane how much time Asif is able to find to watch movies and film. And people are suggesting either you are an absentee father or absentee doctor. We're not sure which one it is. Well, it's funny. Probably it was my wife who told you that. (laughs) that is the phone call i got therapy okay well should we get started with this oscars preview i don't see why not bud so ali i thought we would go in kind of reverse order of importance so we'd end the preview with our picks for best picture and we'll start off with some of the screenplay categories and the acting categories and maybe director towards the end sure as well now it's tough the question is what are we picking are we picking who will win or who we would like to win and i think it's more fun if we kind of pick who we'd like to win i think do you have all your money on a certain horse the dark horse perhaps and what really moved you and i think the listeners will get an idea of you know movies that we really liked uh, over this past year I may hedge my bets and switch to who I think is going to win. But anyway, for now, at the beginning, right <laughs> now, we will say who we would like to win. So you're going to start off from the heart, and then you're going to switch over to I'm a know-it-all smarty pants. Is that right? That's fair. So we're starting with best original screenplay. That is the reverse order you speak of. There's five. The Banshees of Inisherin, written by Martin McDonough. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, written by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. The Fablemans, written by Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner. Tar, written by Todd Field. And Triangle of Sadness, written by Ruben Oostland. Not sure how those two dots on the O are. I'm just going to say Ostland, and somebody can write in and let us know. I'm not going to exaggerate. Yes. I think it's best to not do that. Yes. (laughs) Okay. What are your thoughts here? I'm going to tell you that I've seen The Banshees of Inisherin. Just a wonderful, wonderful movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once. You know, while we're on this subject, why don't you tell people what the relationship is often between the SAG Awards and the Oscars? Some people look at them as a preview. The SAG Awards often predict the acting categories. They often have best ensemble, which... Often is the best picture, though not always. Right? The best acting isn't always in the best picture of the year. The Directors Guild Award often predicts the director. And so you can kind of sometimes piece these things together. And there's also the Writers Guild Awards, too. But I think it's best to, when you're looking at the Oscars, maybe just take it as it comes. No try and predict based on what other things have been won. 
I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is an interesting film in that it's like a family trying to save the world that doesn't sound like an Oscar contender on paper. But everything that this movie does as far as not just the screenplay, but the acting, and then you cannot really subtract the fact that Michelle Yeoh is a 60-year-old woman doing phenomenal, physically demanding work in this movie. I don't know. My hope is that it's everything, everywhere, all at once. And if we're talking from the heart, it is because of my own personal love and fandom for Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. There's a good argument for that. Everything, everywhere, all at once is certainly original. Like, it's best original screenplay. You have never seen a movie like this. If you have not seen it, I highly encourage people to see it. It is unbelievable. It's very unusual to me that it's even nominated for all these awards because it's a multiverse and I, I won't ruin it for people who haven't seen it, but it, it takes, it's, it's very kind of action sci-fi and very unusual. So I, I agree with you out of all of these, I'll just going to give you my opinions about tar right away. Tar. I watched, I listen, I like Todd field. He wrote in the bedroom. If you remember that movie from like 10 or 15 years or 15 years ago, maybe that movie is amazing. Such a good say uh, movie. He's a good director. I hated every single minute of Tar. I couldn't wait for it to be over. Kate wow. Blanche is amazing. But anyway, so that's out of it. And Tar, just we should mention what it is. It is about Emily Tar. It's about a certain person. Is that correct? I can't remember if that's her first name. But it's a fictional story about a conductor, a very fa world famous conductor, and kind of what unspools in her personal and professional life over the course of the movie. Um, that's basically what it is. But uh, Lydia Tar. Yeah, Lydia Tar. It was obtuse and anyway I, I just i couldn't stand that movie although it does have an excellent performance by kate blanchett she you know she's an international okay. but we're in the best original screenplay a category in any case so we don't have to yeah let's get back to this fablemans is a very good script steven spielberg is really based on his life it's the most personal story he's ever written it's really good not as original as the other ones i'm going to mention so banshees of inna I honestly love this movie. The more I think about it, the more I love this movie. It is so original and so funny. And it's basically just about two friends falling out, but I've never seen something like it. I really want to vote for that one. But Triangle of Sadness is... Yes, tell people about a story about you being at your local video store. That in itself is a great... I mean, uh, people are like, what's a video store? Probably half of our listeners. Yeah, so, so that's right. So I was at... I actually have a video DVD rental store by my house. It's walking distance to my house. It's probably the only one left in this country. Perhaps the world. Now, why do you mention walking distance? Have you ever walked there? I have walked there. What the? Yeah. Who are you? I don't even know you. Okay, great. Yeah, it's, it's very close to my house. I don't know how the guy stays in business. He stayed in business throughout the pandemic. Maybe the pandemic saved him because people had nothing to do but go uh, rent uh, DVDs. So I've rented some stuff from him. I rented The Fablemans. I didn't watch that in the theater. And I said, hey, what do you what do you think? Uh, I can give you his opinions later on if you want. He thought everything, well, I'll tell you now. Everything, everywhere, all at once, he thought was extremely overrated. And he said The Fablemans was good. I said, so what do you think is your favorite? And he said Triangle of Sadness. And I said, listen, man. This movie is so unbelievably written. Like you, I love movies where you have no idea what's going to happen. And my favorite in this category, The Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Triangle of Sadness, there is no way you know what's happening in this movie. They are so out there and so original. But I think out of all of them, Triangle of Sadness is the most original. If you want to watch it, do not 
read anything about this movie. It just go see it. But trust me, it's good. I thought it was going to be like sadness. So it's all about, you know, it's 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 a depressing movie. It's not. It's well done. So I'm going to say Triangle of Sadness for this one after all that talking. Okay. Influenced by his local video store owner, like it's 1993. Asif says Triangle Sadness. I, uh, again, going with my heart, everything, everywhere, all at once. But the Banshees of Inisherin. Just phenomenal, phenomenal. Okay, best adapted screenplays. The next category we're going to look at. There are five again. All Quiet on the Western Front, screenplay by Edward Berger, Leslie Patterson, Ian Stokel. Some of you will know this was a movie that was made, I think, in 1930, again in 1979, and again in 2022 for for this year's Oscars. And then based on a book, yeah, right? Course, yeah. So that's the adapted screenplay. Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, I did not know was an adapted screenplay, but it's written by Ryan? Ryan. Ryan, Ryan Johnson, right? yeah. Ryan Johnson. Yeah. It's adapted yeah. only, I didn't realize that sequels are always considered adapted if you use the similar characters from the previous movie. So they have to be, has to be adapted because Benoit Blanc, who is uh, Daniel Craig's character, appears in this movie. Yep. Benoit Blanc, I do say Benoit Blanc did a good job. (laughs) Living, written by Kazuo Ishiguro. Top Gun Maverick, okay, screenplay by Aaron Kruger and Eric Warren Singer and Christopher McQuarrie, story by Peter Craig and Justin Marks, and Women Talking, screenplay by our very own Canadian beloved Sarah Pauly. I'm going to go with Sarah Pauly on this because we're voting from the heart. We're voting from the heart. I heard an interview with her recently talking about this film. I loved it. I love everything she has to say. I love her work. I think she is due. Yeah, if we're going by the heart, I'm going to say Sarah Pauly. I agree with you. And I think she is going to win. So I think I, it's from the heart for me as well. I respect Sarah Pauly a lot. I think she's a great artist. She deserves this. I do really like Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. I love that movie so much. I think it's very well written, but I think it's going to be Sarah Pauly. And this is a bit of just my observations, and I'm not the only person who's noticed this, but this is the opportunity, these screenplay categories, to reward something that is not going to be awarded later on. Again, that's why I think Triangle of Sadness, I don't think it's going to win in a lot lot of other awards, so that makes sense for original. And I'm not sure Women Talking is going to win for everything else. The other thing they do is they love giving awards to actors and actresses who have written movies like this. So the biggest example is Goodwill Hunting, right? They won in Ben Affleck and Matt Damon won in a screenplay award for Goodwill Hunting. That's the Oscar that they won, right? Everybody remembers them going up on stage and being overly excited. So I do think it's going to be Sarah Polly. People probably rewarding her not just for this movie, but for her body of work over time. Yeah, sure. Next up, best actress in a supporting role. I don't know, it's a tough category from what I can see here. Angela Bassett in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Hong Chao in The Whale, Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Stephanie Su in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. What are your thoughts on this? I don't, I don't know. This is from the heart. If I'm saying from the heart, Jamie Lee Curtis. <sighs> yeah. I mean, this is such a tough category. Everyone is deserving in this category. Everyone's deserving. Jamie Lee Curtis is... Angela Bassett. Yeah, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is almost unrecognizable. I didn't know it was her when I started watching this movie. No, me Stephanie yeah. Sue is also very good in a, in a kind of difficult role playing the daughter in that movie. I think those two are going to cancel each other out though. I think just as, you know what I mean? So I think it's going to be hard for them to win. Carrie Condon, she's the only main female character in uh, Banshees of Inner Sharon. She's so good. Hong Chao and the Whale... 
The Whale is an interesting movie. I, I do encourage people to see it if they can. It was a bit hard for me to get a hold of it. It only came out on a DVD and on demand recently. I, I did watch it. Hong Chao is a great actress. She was in The Menu. Did you see The Menu, Ollie? I have not yet seen The but Menu. People you. may know this. This yeah. It's about like a super fine dining uh, restaurant and yeah. then... <laughs> Things ensue that make it very dark and uh, kind of a, a, almost like a thriller or suspense movie. And she's in that. She is. She's a great actress. And and this is a very grounded performance. She's so good. It's so hard to pick. But I'm going to pick Angela Bassett again because of just the history of Angela Bassett. I think she's been. Can you believe? I think it's been like thirty or forty years since she was in What's Love Got to Do with It. I mean. By the way, I have seen the menu. We were saying we haven't seen the menu yet for so long that I still have that narrative in my mind. Of course, I've seen the menu. Oh, my God. You know what it is? It's because while the food is sort of center stage, it quickly becomes just a background. And it's not really about a menu, right? Except for that one character who is such a, and we all know that guy super hyper food yeah, nerd and pictures, like the respect yeah. for taking pictures. Yeah. I'm so, yeah, of course I've seen the menu and of course I've seen Hong Chao and she was great. She was like flawless in that. Getting back to Angela Bassett, I just think she deserves it from what's love got to do with it all the way till now. I just think she deserves it. She did win the Golden Globe. We were talking about other awards. She did win that. I think it's pretty likely she's going to win this as well. So uh, my heart and my pick is Angela Bassett. So, Angela Bassett, my pick, Ellie, and yours, you're going to stick with Jamie Lee Curtis? I'm going to stick with Jamie Lee Curtis, but I have to, I mean, Angela Bassett sort of grew up enamored by this woman and her performances, and then I hadn't seen her in anything in a while, not because of her lack of busyness, just because of me. And then I don't know if you remember in Master of None, this is going back about four or five years ago now, the Thanksgiving episode, which was written by Lena Waite, Angela Bassett plays her mother- I was just like, oh my God, yeah, Angela Bassett, oh where you been my whole life? Just, she said, just, just seeing her is a reminder of how great she is, how versatile she is, how powerful she is on screen, incredible presence. I'm all, I mean, it's, let me just say that I wouldn't have any ill feelings at all if Angela Bassett won. She's a very, very close second to Jamie Lee Curtis for me. Well, I'll tell you something. I remember that episode. It's one of the best episodes of that show. And I didn't realize mm-hmm. that was Angela Bassett. That's how good what the- actress she is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that was, uh, yeah, pretty good. So, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Best actor in a supporting role. Brendan Gleeson in The Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway, Judd Hirsch in The Fablemans, Barry, is it Kogan? I think so. Barry Kogan in The Banshees of Inisherin, and Kay Hui Kwan in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah. I might have done some mispronunciations there. I have not seen Causeway, but Brian Tyree Henry, I was introduced to via Mm -hmm. Atlanta. This dude is just fantastic. You've seen Causeway? Yeah, I have. Of course you have. Why am I even It's on Apple TV Plus, so it's very easy to watch if you want to watch it. Very yeah. easy to watch. Okay. I will make if some you time have. for that. I think that guy's fantastic. I'm going to go for Brendan Gleeson in this. Yeah, I mean, Brendan Gleeson is so good <laughs> in the Banshees of Inisherin. It's hard for me to disagree, though I will. <laughs> Because Barry Kugan, no, what do we say his name will be? Barry Kogan. The way, the reason why getting this wrong is his name is spelled K-E-O-G-H-A-N. 
and I'm not sure how you pronounce his name properly. And he's also excellent in the Banshees of Inisher and playing like this dolt who lives on the island with them. I mean, he's so good. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, and this movie is, it's so dark and put you laugh. I've laughed out loud more in that movie than I can't remember the last movie. I laughed out loud so many times. And like, I watch it by myself yeah. in my basement and I laughed out loud. <laughs> so, but I think those two may cancel each other out. Judd Hirsch in The Fablemans is a very unusual nomination because he's in the movie for about five minutes. He has basically one scene in the movie, essentially. It's an interesting scene. I don't know why, because Paul Dano's in this movie and plays the father in it. He's basically playing Steven Spielberg's father, even though it's The Fablemans and not The Spielbergs. Paul Dano loves to get in that makeup chair, he huh? Is so good in this movie paul dano i'm like oh mm. he was clearly the person who's nominated because he is it's a subtle performance but yeah he it was judd hirsch not him and then brian tyree henry in the causeway the causeway is like a b movie it's not that good of a movie it's a jennifer lawrence kind of vehicle she plays a vet coming back uh, from afghanistan i believe or iraq and then she's okay. she's has some ptsd and some physical ailments and she's kind of get trying to get back into life and she meets Brian Tyree Henry, who's who's so good in this movie. I mean, as you said, he's just such a great actor. I don't think a lot of people have seen it, as you were saying, and I don't think the movie is getting as much prestige, but I'm glad he was nominated. But I'm man, I'm going with Ki Hui Kwan in Everything Everywhere mm. All at Once. So people might remember he was Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right? He was short Temple round. He was in the Goonies. He had all these kind of movies early on. He was in Encino Man. And then he kind of just fell off and stopped acting for almost 30 years. His recent speech at, uh, when Globes. was that? November? Or? No, January. That was just January at the yeah. Golden Globes was so good. And if you're a fan of, like Asif and I grew up with Indiana Jones, you would remember this. You can't forget yeah. this kid. Very nice. Very, very, a great second act to his career. It's fantastic. It sounds like he's already getting some more parts. And so really great for him. And I think... It's, it is a heartwarming story. Did you know, I think it's either, I think his lawyer or his agent or something like that who helped him do some of these deals is the guy who played Chunk in The Goonies. He's like a corporate yeah. lawyer now, I think, yeah. or entertainment lawyer. So he helped yeah. finalize these deals. So, And then, of course, Spielberg has been all these awards and he reconnected and he's even reconnected with Harrison Ford. So it is a nice story. So I think based on that and the fact that he is excellent in this movie, it's a hard role to do again as well because people have to play multiple versions of themselves, essentially, in the movie. So mm. it's, it's a difficult role, but I think he's going to take it. So... The same reason why I have so much respect for Tatiana Maslany, who was, I don't know, I think it was like almost 10 characters she was playing and keeping them all straight and keeping them all consistent and managing all these different characters. It's, it's a phenomenal amount of work and takes incredible amount of discipline. So for that same reason, I would love to see him win this actor in a supporting role. Brendan Gleeson, top choice. Brendan Gleeson for you. Okay. That's fine. His top choice, but I wouldn't mind. Seeing Quan win that either. Okay. Best actress in a leading role. We have Kate Blanchett in Tar. Now we can dive into that a little bit. Ana de Armas in Blonde. Andrea Riseborough in To Leslie. Michelle Williams in The Fablemans. And Michelle Yeoh in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I'd like to hear your thoughts about Kate Blanchett versus 
the rest of these women. I mean, I'm still I'm still in the Michelle Yeoh yeah. camp. I think I just love same thing with Brendan Gleeson. I love seeing actors sort of in the August or the September of their careers, if you will, uh, getting their due. And there's so many, particularly women, but men as well. But you know, as you get older, you feel yourself just getting phased out of acting. You're not called on for certain roles. And it's a huge thing, it's particularly for women. So to see them at an older age being not just called in for roles, but celebrated, I think that does speak to me. And that's the same reason why I'm speaking so highly of Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh and Angela Bassett. Yeah, yeah. I go with Michelle No, Yeoh. it makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, I can comment on some of these. So Kate Blanchett, like, it, it is hard. She is really good in this movie. I mean, she basically learned how to be a conductor for orchestras. Like, she's so flawless in it. You know, she plays an American, so she has her American accent. It's just like I said, I just dislike this movie so much. I just kept thinking, what's the point? Why are you dragging things out? Like, I just... And I don't really think she has a lot of momentum behind her, even though, objectively, I could imagine some people saying she has the best performance. Anna de Armas in Blonde is a very unusual thing because this movie was felt to be so bad it's been mm. nominated for the razzie awards for like the worst movie of the year so how yeah. is this possible i don't know i think it's a very what's the word for it there's a word they use in acting like a brave performance let's say that is a bit of a euphemism for usually when there's like lots of nudity or sexual connotation or something like that for men and women putting yourself out there and i think she puts herself out there <laughs> in this movie I don't know why this she's nominated for this. This movie was panned. And I'll just skip to Michelle Williams and the Fablemans. The Fablemans, again, it's 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 really about Steven Spielberg's very personal story of the relationship with his family and specifically his mother and his mother's kind of issues with the family. Mm-hmm. As his parents were getting yeah, divorced, as, yeah. his interest in film, film yeah. movies. I was actually more interested in his interest in film and, and I want to actually pursue that. I'd love to see a movie about his early years in Hollywood and how he tried to break in. There's an amazing scene at the end, which I won't ruin, where he meets up with a very famous director, which apparently is a word for word true story about what happened when he met with his director. It's amazing. It's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Michelle Williams is really good. I mean, his mother had a lot of issues. Michelle Williams, she is a national treasure, I think. She is such a great actress. So that is who I was kind of leaning towards. Then this interesting thing came up with Andrea Riseborough. I'm going to go into a bit of detail about this because people may have heard about this. There was a bit of controversy about this. So Andrea Riseborough is in this movie. She's a British actress and she plays into Leslie, an American, who basically has a serious drinking problem is trying to get back on the right path and screws up a lot, especially in the first half of the movie. And then she ends up meeting a guy who runs a motel played by Mark Maron, podcaster Mm -hmm. Mark Maron, and you know, things ensue afterwards. People have said her performance is the best performance of alcoholism that's been portrayed on screen, maybe second to Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. And she is very, very good. I think the movie is fine. It's, again, a B movie, I think. it's If you watch it, you will not not like it. It's, it's a good movie. But the only thing about that movie, it's a bit of, you know, when you have, like, actors who are Hollywood actors and they make lots of money kind of playing people from a lower socioeconomic status, there's a bit of almost taking advantage of of pretending to be that kind of person when you know, the clothes are dirty and they speak in an accent. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, sure. Sure. You sound unconvinced by that uh, criticism. You went to a place where I didn't think you were going to go there. I thought you were going to talk about the fact that Riseborough plays this role opposite Mark Maron, who publicly had very serious addiction oh. issues. 
And Allison Janney is also in this movie who also is, you know, a huge advocate for uh, addiction recovery mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff because of her own experiences and also, you know, the show she was on, I can't remember, it's called Mom, I think, right? So it just talks about that. Mom, Mom, yeah, it's, it's all about addiction, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, I, I think there's a conversation about sort of authenticity True. and connection to a real issue there that I thought you were going to go there, but you didn't, and that's fine, you don't have to. True. No, it said I was more negative. But let me just finish with, with Andrea Rosborough with what happened. So she actually was investigated by the Academy because they thought she was lobbying people inappropriately. So here's what happened. The director of the film is a guy named Michael Morris. He has a wife named Mary McCormick, who is an actress, and you've seen her in the West Wing and a couple other things. Like if you saw her picture, you'd be like, oh yeah, I recognize her. They decide instead of doing the traditional campaigning, which is a lot of like luncheons and advertisements and trade magazines, they kind of decide to do a a celeb-backed social media campaign. So the director, Michael Morris, and his wife, Mary, they contacted their friends and colleagues in the entertainment industry. They said, can you look at the film, watch it, and share it if people, if you enjoy it? And they did hire mm. publicists to help with this. And so basically this built up more and more cred because very famous actors and actresses were tweeting about it and saying, oh, this is one of the best performances ever. It's amazing. Some of the celebrities hosted their own screenings to show their friends about it. And then she ended up getting a nomination, which is great for her. But the Academy thought this violated some of their rules because you can't directly lobby voting members. And the actors and actresses who showed the, did the screenings and talked about social media are members of the Academy, right? Now, because hmm. the rules forbid individuals giving their personal signature, personal regards, or pleas to watch the film. So did it violate it or not? It's unclear. And then the other thing they did in a poster for the film, or I think it may have been a social media post, they quoted Richard Roper, who's a very famous film critic in the States. He used to do Ebert and Roper after Gene Siskel died. Of course. And Richard Roper said, Rise Burroughs' performance is better than Kate Blanchett's and Tar. He point blank stated that. And so they used that, but then are you allowed to use quotes because you're – singling out another competitor, which you're not allowed to do, but it was Richard Roper who did this. Anyway, there was a whole investigation, and in the end, they said there was no wrongdoing, so her nomination stands. And I was reading when, I guess, Riz Ahmed announced this nomination when the the awards were announced, and there was like almost giggling, like an excited giggling in the audience from the journalists in attendance because it was such a surprise. But there's a bigger issue that has been brought up. So it's interesting because the other two people who they thought were going to be nominated for Best Actress were Viola Davis, who stars in The Woman King, a main lead in a mainly black story, and Danielle Deadweiler, who plays the mother of 1950s lynching victim Emmett Till in the movie Till. And those two were considered locks for nominations. And then they weren't. And of course, you know, this idea of Oscars so white and then a lack of black nominees. And then, so you can say, well, no, that's fine. But if Andrea Riseborough's performance was better, it, that's fine. But then you think, okay, well, who does she know? The director and her husband, the, the, the director and his wife are Andrea Riseborough's friends. And they have a bunch of friends who are influential people in Hollywood. And most of those people are white. So. That is the controversy. So that was a huge tangent about the controversy behind this. Do I think she could win? She could. I don't think she's going to. I think it's going to be Michelle Yeoh from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Again, I'm not sure if this movie is going to win Best Picture, 
but she deserves it. As you said, she's a legend. I love her and everything she's in. So I'm saying Michelle Yeoh as well. Okay. Best actor in a leading role. This one is tough. This one is insanely tight. Austin Butler and Elvis, Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser in The Whale, Paul Mescal in After Sun, and Bill Nighy in Living. Now, I know there's a lot of thoughts about Elvis. A lot of thoughts. You take away all the other issues you might have with the story and the authenticity of the story and Tom Hanks and all the rest of it. Austin Butler, his, if we're going for a best actor, what he did. And then of course there's a people like, oh, he was still talking in his accent. Who cares? What's it to you? Okay. People have a process you couldn't begin to understand. Am I getting mad at accountants for like doing whatever? I don't know what accountants do. I don't have a good example, but this is an actor. We don't understand his process. His process involved for a long time, years being in this role. It was all during the pandemic as well that he's preparing for all this. Who cares what he spoke like and which accent? This guy is, I thought it was a flawless performance in Elvis for a young dude. He just came out swinging. He came out. He had something to prove. If he doesn't win, you know what? That is okay. I'm so happy he's nominated. But between Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser, and Austin Butler, I'm happy whoever gets it. I feel like Brendan Fraser, if I go off my own heart and I go to what the Academy is probably leaning towards, I think Brendan Fraser might take it. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think that it's those three that this competition is between. Honestly, I think I'd like Colin Farrell's performance the most out of all three of these, but I don't think it's going to, it's going to win. I think he's, it's almost too subtle, but I know it's not a subtle performance, but it's, I I just don't think people will, will get it, but he is so good. So Austin Butler, I agree. He is, it's a star making performance in these acting categories. Remember, this is voted on mainly by other actors and, and what they like is either rewarding people who've had long careers. So Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett, those are good examples. Right. That's a good, that's a, we should have actually yeah. started with that. Who's doing yeah. the voting yeah. and what's the, what's the motivation? They're like, they deserve it. They've had big careers. So I think those ones are pretty much locks. They also like good stories, which we talked about for best supporting actor. They also love ingenues, right? This is when you have Gwyneth Paltrow winning, Emma Stone. Like these are, this is why Jennifer Lawrence, this is why these people win. They're like, they like an ingenue. They like a new person. So this is why this category becomes difficult because I do agree Austin Butler is really amazing in this. I do find it annoying his accent because I saw him on Saturday Night Live and I'm like, this guy's amazing. Great. What a great performance. And then he won the Golden Globe and he's talking like Elvis again. I'm like, come on. This movie wrapped like a year ago and you were just These are on characters he no, lived in, he, he occupied. He was just playing I, a whole bunch of characters on Siren Live and did a very good job. I was like very impressed because I saw SNL before I saw Elvis and I'm like, oh, this guy's great. Stick with that. Stick with the impressed. <laughs> Listen, the rest, I just, huh? anyway, I would agree it doesn't impact his performance, but I'm like, how good of an actor are you if you can't turn it on and off? Anyway, I agree with you, but- Brendan Fraser, I think a lot of people have a soft spot in their heart for him. We all remember him from all the Mummy and all the action movies. Encino Man. School Ties, which he was in, more dramatic with, you know, right? Oh, yeah. And then he kind of disappeared for a bit. And I think there was some stuff going in his personal life. There was actually a whole thing, which I'll just mention briefly. So the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press, who... 
and the Hollywood Foreign Press is who votes on the Golden Globes. And there's many issues with them. It's almost not even worth talking about that they're so kind of corrupt and nebulous kind of nothing organization. But this guy basically groped Brendan Fraser at an award ceremony. And he never talked about it for years. This was when he was a younger this man, was, when his career like, was. I, I can't, it, it was several years ago. It wasn't. It wasn't right at the beginning of his career, but it was several years ago, and it really affected him. You know, and he only felt courage to talk about it with the Me Too movement, etc. Et and of course, it's been denied. And he basically said, even if he won the Golden Globe, which he did not, he lost out on the Golden Globe, uh, he would not have accepted it because he thinks it's a joke organization because they did not do anything to reprimand this person. I think there is a lot of sympathy towards him. And, and the question is, did he get less roles because of that accusation or not? I'm not quite sure. I don't think the Hollywood Foreign Press has that much power. But he kind of fell off for a bit, then he got divorced, and I think there's lots of things going on in his personal life, and he didn't get a lot of roles. And then this is kind of a comeback for him. I, of course, have been watching him in the past couple of years because he does the voice of the DC comic superhero Robot Man on Doom Patrol. And I love him so much in that. He's so funny. Nerd alert. He's great. Yeah. So he really is my sentimental pick. So I'm going with Brendan Fraser. I would not be surprised if Austin Butler wins, but I really would like Brendan Fraser to win. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. Best directing. Nothing new here. We have seen all of these already. The Banshees of Inisher and Martin McDonough. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Daniel Kwan and, and Daniel Scheinert, The Fablemans, obviously Spielberg, Tar, Todd Field, Triangle of Sadness, Ruben Ostlund. Hmm. What a category, right? You have a number of these period pieces here. Banshees of Inisherin is a period piece. It's against the, you know, the Irish Civil mm -hmm. War is being fought, but that's very much in the background, I would argue. I'm not sure even how much of an impact that really plays. Fableman's obviously period piece. Tar is a triangle of sadness. I don't know enough about. I mean, for me, I would just between the Banshees of Inisherin and everything, everywhere, all at once, I would be very happy to see either of those win. What do you think about Triangle of Sadnesses? I don't think it's here. No, I think it's between no, okay. the Fableman's, everything, everywhere, all at once, and Banshees of Inisherin. I think the Banshees of Inisherin won't win because, again, it's a beautiful movie. It's, it's looking at this, these islands in, filmed in, in Ireland. It's so nice, but I think it's more of a dialogue-heavy kind of movie, and it's that interaction between the people. So I don't know if it's going to win. The Fablemans, I think, is mainly because it's Steven Spielberg. Again, like I said, it's his most personal movie. But I don't know. I think I'm going to go with everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean... Those guys, the Daniels, as they're called, did just an incredible job with this movie. Like, it is so out there, and, and it's hard enough to make a conceptualization of this movie when they were thinking about how to write this movie and, and the plot, and then actually enacting that. So I'm going to go with those guys. But it's a tough category. Sure. All right, finally, best picture. There's 10 films here. Almost all of them we've heard about in some way or the other already. Women Talking. Triangle of Sadness, Top Gun Maverick, Tar, The Fablemans, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Elvis, The Banshees of Inisherin, All Quiet on the Western Front, and then Avatar The Way of Water, which mm -hmm. we haven't seen in any of the other categories. I'd be interested to hear what you think mm -hmm. about that nomination mm -hmm. for Best Picture. I'm sure by now most people have heard about Steven Spielberg yelling, whispering at an event, a red carpet event into Tom Cruise's ear. No, Do you know what I he didn't was saying? Oh, he was saying that you saved Hollywood's ass. Yeah. 
you saved the film industry's ass with Top mm-hmm. Gun Maverick, people went back into mm-hmm. theaters. And you you did that. You single-handedly, he was suggesting all of that. And you can hear it through the noise. He, he was just sort of, you know, saying it discreetly, but it was also very loud. So he had to say it loud. So it's very interesting that both Spielberg and Tom Cruise are on there. I don't think Top Gun could win for Best Picture. No, I, I don't think so either. But it is a very important movie. And that led the way to, again, Avatar, Way of Water. And Top Gun Maverick is a yeah. great movie. I mean, you can't deny it. It's fun. I know two people who walked out of what? it. I can't believe it. Oh my god! Yeah, together they were together. <laughs> That's good. They gave it about twenty minutes. I, I think and it's. Then they I think out. it's great. I do find the characterizations of some of the junior pilots a bit simplistic, but I, I think it was fun. I'm, I'm glad he had a relationship with someone his own age. You know, uh, Tom Cruise. I think it was well done. And you're right. What it did for movies was great. I would love to see everything, everywhere, all at once win. And in a weird way, I would also, I'd be happy to see a foreign film, Triangle of Sadness, in this case I'm talking about, when I don't know it, I haven't watched it, I'm keen to watch it based on your video store guy, and 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 because I, I haven't read anything. That was your first thing. Do not read anything about this movie. But what little I know about it, I love it. But top choice would be everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, so this is kind of uh, tough. So if we go through some of these ones, I don't think Women Talking is going to win or Top Gun Maverick or Triangle of Sadness, even though I really like Triangle of Sadness. I don't think it's the type of movie that will win Best Picture because people Mm. always want these movies to make a statement about where we are. Tar as well, for obvious reasons, which I stated before. Elvis, we didn't really talk about it too much. Everything you said about it is true. I mean, it's a Baz Luhrmann movie, right? So it is crazy. It's it's yes. psychedelic. It's conceptual, it's, obviously. Yeah, exactly. The editing. It, we didn't talk about best editing. That, to me, is best editing in that movie. It's so mm-hmm. rapid cut. You have to go in expecting that kind of movie. It is very melodramatic. It's very simplistic in a way. The way they have Colonel Tom Parker, played by Tom Hanks, just like as the villain and Again, as you said, Tom Hanks' accent and, what you know, that's not how Colonel Tom Parker sounded. He just sounded like a Southern person. He didn't sound like he was some weirdo, made-up European accent. Anyway, very strange choice, very strange things. It's definitely worth watching, mainly for Austin Butler's performance, but I don't think it's the best movie of the year. All Quiet on the Western Front, you know, it's a German movie. I don't think it's going to have much of a chance. So Avatar, Way of the Water, you wanted me to comment on that. What's it doing here, it, it, I suppose, I, is my question. Yeah. Not not accusatory, just you wondering, know, like generally I think wondering. that's a really, because again, I, I didn't think the first Avatar was actually that good. But when you watch these movies, I think they're nominated for the technical marvels ab- about it. Because I don't think anybody was clamoring, like, I can't wait for the Avatar sequel. It doesn't have the same fan base of like Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC even. Sure. No, who was clamoring for this? But yet everybody goes and watches it. And I've seen it twice. I saw it once not in 3D and once in 3D. And you have to see this movie in 3D, by the way. I think it's because of the technological advancements that he makes. Like This whole movie was filmed on green screens, right? It was not filmed in any real environments. And the actors are just wearing motion capture and he puts everything in. And the fact that they can... And that he is James James Cameron, Cameron, yeah. again. The fact that they can do that, and and when you watch in 3D, the level of detail in 3D is so realistic. Like, I think it's mainly for the technological achievement. There's no way it's winning. And I don't think it should have... The original Avatar should have... It didn't win. The Hurt Locker won that year, but I don't think it's good enough to win. But I guess being nominated is fair. And that leaves us with everything, the Banshees. And the Fablemans. The Fablemans. This is, it's so tough. So I think, I don't think everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win. I just find 
I'm going to try to not ruin the movie for you, but this movie has like, it's so out there. It's like there's an everything bagel, which kind of makes the universe implode on itself. <laughs> there's someone who uses, like people who have fingers that look like hot dogs. There's someone who uses nunchucks that are actually like whatever, dildos. I just can't imagine this winning. But The Shape of Water won a couple years ago. It's a woman who's in love with a fish man. So, I mean, I guess anything <laughs> can happen in, in, in the Oscars. I just, I don't know. So I think it's actually between the Fablemans or the Banshees of Inisherin. I'm going to go with my heart here. The movie, I'll just tell you guys right now, my favorite movie of the year, the best movie I saw is The Banshees of Inisherin. So I got to go with that. I would love to see that. I would love to see that, but foreign film, it's not, it's yeah. in English, but it's still like the same way that All Quiet on the Western Front sort of like doesn't count. Triangle of Sadness doesn't seriously count. They may have the same perspective with Banshees of Inisherin, but it's a lovely movie. I will say, don't break it up. If you watch it, watch it all the way through. Don't go taking breaks yeah it, like it's so good i want to watch i watch it by myself i want to watch it with my wife and this is for martin mcdonough right he's mainly a playwright he wrote in bruges for, uh, in 2008 if you have not seen in bruges again it's brendan gleason and colin farrell it's about these two hitmen in bruges it is so fun it's uh, and you know of course mcdonough's in a relationship with phoebe waller bridge from Fleabag. Very nice. You want to talk about yeah. two like super brilliant people just probably chatting all day. He also did, Mark McDonough did three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I thought was mm -hmm. just okay. I didn't think it was like. I wanted more from that movie myself. I don't mind. I'll watch anything with Francis McDormand. It, it's like a, And again, the Banshees of Inisherin, I think the less you know, the better. And I was a bit turned off because I'm like, oh, I just about these two friends are getting into an argument, which is simplistically, that's what it is. And I think it really speaks to something that Ali and I have talked a lot about both personally and on the podcast a little bit. People are often looking for external reasons. I'm unhappy. It's because of this, because you did this to me. And if you just stop doing this and if you just love me more or love me less, or we get divorced or I have children or I get rid of my children, if I move to a new job, then everything will change. And it's not, that's not the case. It's actually internal and the fact that that I think is what I took out of this. So I, it, it's more than just this dark, dark comedy. I took that away from it. And the fact that people have to kind of really look inside themselves to see what is the root of their unhappiness. And I've seen that so much during the pandemic, people who are, and post-pandemic, people who are just, just unhappy and they can't figure out why they think it's external when really you have to look deep inside you. So I don't know if that's what the author was thinking, like Martin McDonough when he wrote it, but. But that's what you can. Away that's what with I came that. away with. So that's my pick. These are the Oscars for 2023. Okay, so that's our podcast for today. Let's know what you guys thought. Let us know your Oscar picks. Did we get things right? Did we get things wrong? Did you agree? Did this maybe influence you to go watch some of these movies that you may not have seen already? Or anything that you think was omitted that really should have been nominated? Let us know, drvcomedian at gmail.com, drvcomedian on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are everywhere. The Oscars, by the way, one of the few live events yeah. that are left you know, on, on television, Sunday, March 12th. 8 p.m. is when they're taking That's place. Right. Although ratings keep falling, I think it might be a bit better. I think some of these movies have been seen a bit more. Again, why they nominate movies. That's a cynical viewpoint, by the way, Ali, of why they nominate so many movies. Because if they only had five movies, 
they probably wouldn't get Top Gun Maverick or Avatar 2 in there, right? But now you have 10, you're like, oh, I have seen this. I have seen this. Oh, maybe I'll see this. So that's a bit of a cynical viewpoint of it. Yeah, so they're coming up this weekend. And Ali, do you have anything going on in March? Well, right after the Oscars, I hit the road in Canada. I will be in Regina, in Saskatoon, in Winnipeg, Medicine Hat, Airdrie, which is right outside of Calgary, Sherwood Park. Very much looking forward to it's about a seven city tour that I go on. You can look up my website, standupali.com to check out the dates and get tickets. And then at the end of March is Canada Reads. I know you're quite anxious. That's right. Well, I'm quite anxious that I'm not going to get anything done in time, but I am going on vacation for about 10 days. So maybe I'll read one or two of the books on that vacation. That's the most I can commit to. I love it. I think you should. But remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Now, movie advice, totally different. You need to listen to what me and Ali say. Thanks for listening. Bye.